Well, Carolyn and I would like to present to you this morning a brand new series. We're not going to do the whole thing. We're going to work our way through. It's called Preparing for the Crisis. We've got uh, several messages. Preparing the heart. Preparing our homes. Preparing our finances. And preparing our worship. We'll be giving those messages here, or at least three of those messages here. In his inaugural speech, President Obama said these words, and as he spoke them, I was quickly writing them down. He said that we are in the midst of crisis is now well understood. But that we are soon to face an even bigger crisis is not well understood in this world, is it? In our Bibles, in Daniel 12 and verse 1 it says, And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. We, as a world, have gotten ourselves into a state of being very fragile. Our whole society, our whole economy, everything, the way it is built up now, it is not like it used to be. We have gotten to the point where it works well as long as it works. And if it doesn't work, we are in big trouble. And we didn't create it that way. You and I didn't create it that way. God didn't create it that way. But that is now how it is. If we could, if we could stamp, if we were shipping this world somewhere else, we'd have to put fragile on the box. Because it is very fragile. You know, friends, we buy our food. Why? Because we haven't grown any. How many of you grow your own food? Some. (laughs) Probably about 25%. So the other 75%, you're in the top picture there on the screen. You're in the grocery store. (laughs) Well, that's fine when there's a grocery store, but what happens if there isn't a grocery store? Can't go out in the garden and pick the carrots because they take a while to grow. You know, we borrow money when we need to because we have not saved money when we could have. How many of you save regularly? I'm doing a survey. I like surveys. (laughs) So over about 15% of the congregation is saving regularly. You know, rainy days do come. And if you haven't got something put aside, you haven't got an umbrella to keep you safe from the rain. We rely upon someone else to supply us with our water and our electricity so that we can heat our homes, cook our food, clean our clothes, don't we? You know, this world wasn't like it is now a hundred years ago. A hundred years ago, families were growing their own food, weren't they? There, there, there was no such thing as Walmart a hundred years ago. <laughs> what would we do without Sam's Club and Costco and all these different things? People grew their own food. They had a bit of land. They spent time outdoors. <clears throat> Families saved for a rainy day. I'm going to prove that to you here in a, in a moment. Homes were sustained by local resources. What do we mean by that? It means that they weren't dependent upon the power company for their power. They weren't dependent upon the telephone company for their internet access. 
They, they weren't dependent. They, they had a spring down there in the meadow. Or they had a little windmill thing that would pump the water up for the cattle or for the house. They weren't dependent upon outside resources. They had local resources. And there were no power companies. There were no huge conglomerate companies today that we see merging together and trying to make money out of the rest of us. Lots changed in the last hundred years, hasn't it? You know, in 1905, we saw the first movable vacuum cleaner. It weighed a whole 92 pounds, and there it is, girls. <laughs> what do you think? Wouldn't you get excited about using that instead of sweeping the carpeting? <laughs> Did you say 92 pounds? Isn't that what it says? Yeah. <laughs> now, ladies, don't complain about your vacuum cleaner ever again. <laughs> 92 pounds. Okay, we'll do away with the vacuum cleaner. Uh, 1910. Not very long ago, less than 100 years ago, the first electric stove was introduced. Now let me ask you a question. Think about this. What do you suppose people were cooking on in 1909? An 8, and 7, and 6? A wood stove. That's right. <laughs> You mean everybody was cooking on a wood stove? How many people cook on a wood stove today? Put your hands up. Okay, about 3% <laughs> of the congregation. Okay. 1915 saw the first electric clothes dryer. How many of you use a dryer? <laughs> 100%, I hope. <laughs> 1929. These... Think about, we're just trying to paint a picture of the world we live in today compared to the world a few years ago. 1929, just over 50% of American homes had a radio. <laughs> Think about it. So what were they doing before the radio? Listening to the birds, probably. Amen. <laughs> My wife loves birds. <laughs> and wait for this one. 1954. 55 years ago, 54%, just over 50%, 54% of Americans had a TV. And most of them were black and white. Boy, have we come a long way. Or have we gone back a long way? I think we've gone back a long way. We've gotten so fragile. and We've gotten so used to all these things that we could barely do without them. Our internet went down for three days recently. There was something happened up in the mountains and there was an avalanche and uh, anyway a, a communications tower fell over or something and ended up splicing a cable in the ground and we didn't have any internet for three days. Oh man, what a hardship. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't, I couldn't do my work, I couldn't get my email, yeah, I couldn't even find out what the weather was. <laughs> You just look outside, right? <laughs> That's what Hannah said. Daddy, don't, don't worry. Just look out the window. <laughs> That's what they used to do. <laughs> but we have gotten so used to how we do things, we can barely do with it any other way. I mentioned earlier on that we are borrowing because we're not saving. And I want you to look closely at this graph. Look at 1955 and follow it upwards to that first big dot. Followed across, in 1955, the average American was saving about 10% of their disposable income. That means their income after they'd paid taxes. Saving 7% of their income. In 1965, 10 years later, 
they're saving 8.4% of their income. 1975, nearly 10%, nearly a tithe of their income is being saved each pay period, each week or each month. That, interestingly enough, is in a time, during a time, when mostly there was only one person in the family that was out in the workplace. Dad. One person in the workplace saving 10% of their income. You see the graph as it goes on. 1985 it dips down, 1995 it dips down, 2006 it actually dipped into the negative. How do you have a negative savings rate? That meant we were saving zero, the average American was saving zero, and then borrowing some. What a thought. Now, since we saw what has happened with home prices and what happened last year, the personal savings rate is on a very rapid growth again. (laughs) And January this year, 2009, they reported that we're up to 5%. People are realizing again that rainy days do come and we need to have a little bit put aside. We saw what happened last year, didn't we, when the credit market froze up, or whatever happened. I mean, that at least was a story that we were fed. I don't know how much of that I believe, but that's what we were told, and we saw it had some repercussions. Now the government has a good reason to buy up all these banks and all these and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Anyway, that's in a different message, not this message. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. The... We've wrapped ourselves up, friends. We've wrapped ourselves up in a blanket of carnal security. And when the winds of hard times start to blow, we are going to realize that that blanket, that modern high-tech blanket, is worse than useless. It's not going to help us. The spiritual state of things isn't much better either. You know... We are becoming dependent on church denominations. Now, obviously we're not against church denominations. We're part of a denomination ourselves. But we are not to rely upon the denomination and its employees to be our food. The Word of God is our food. Jesus Christ, he says, eat of me. We have become dependent upon popular preachers and popular ministries. We're not against ministries. We are a ministry. But don't be expecting ministries to be giving you your food. Your food comes from God. From His Word. We've become dependent upon Christian TV and Christian radio. And of course, we're not against TV and radio as well because we're on the TV and we're on the radio. In actual fact, some of you might already be aware of this, 3ABN have invited Carolyn and I and Hannah and Caleb to, to start a brand new program. They recognize that they are short and many people have told them, you need more parenting stuff on your network. And so they have invited our family to start a brand new program. We don't even know what it's going to be called yet. <laughs> but it's a brand new program, should start at the beginning of next year. We haven't recorded yet. But... Um, We don't need to rely upon Christian TV for our food. They didn't have Christian TV a hundred years ago. We don't need to rely upon those things. All those things, the church, the ministries, the preachers, the TV, it's all to help, but don't rely on it. So many people are starting to rely on it. 
personal searching of the word and experimental religion in your own heart is being replaced these days by group religion. And we don't mind groups, do we? Getting together to worship. But if that replaces your personal time with God, then it's, it's not a good thing. So this album, Preparing for the Crisis, this message is preparing our hearts, and we're going to get into that subject here very shortly. The second message in the same album is Preparing Our Homes. That is about country living. It's about simplifying, simple living. How many people live in the country here? Okay, about 50% of the congregation. So we've worked, that's one of the hardest ones to achieve, and we've got a lot of people doing that. Praise the Lord. The third message is Preparing Our Finances. And we're going to give that message here. That's a, that's a brand new message. It's never been given anywhere before. And we're going to talk there. One of the things that we're going to talk about in that message is eight ways to save money. You should be nudging each other at this point. Oh, we've got to listen to that one. <laughs> Perhaps the husband's nudging the wife. You've got to listen to that one. <laughs> and then the last one's preparing our worship. We're going to look at Sabbath preparation and Sabbath keeping and where we are in time and the crisis that's coming and the preparation we can make for it. You know, our... Our homes won't save us. If we live in the country, and I'm glad you do, we do too, but it won't save us. You know, and if we have savings, if we're out of debt, that's good, but it's not going to save us. Even if we're worshipping in the right way on the right day, that is not going to save us. It is only a connection. It's only a relationship with Jesus Christ that is going to get us through what is ahead for all of us. Do you believe that? Amen. God has warned us that we need to take seriously the subject of heart preparation. And that is why that is the first title in this album. Because it's no good trying to work on our homes, our finances, when we haven't yet prepared our hearts. Would you agree? Heart work is the most important. We need to be ready, friends, for what is ahead of us. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44, it says, Therefore, be ye also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would. We're not going to put it on the screen, so don't wait for it to come on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 21, 34 through 36. Well-known words of Jesus, but we're going to look at them because Jesus here in Luke chapter 21... He is outlining outlining for us a trap that people near the end of time are going to fall into. And I see it happening all around me. I see it happening to myself and I see it happening to many of you. There's a trap that Jesus foretold and we are falling into it like he never even warned us. Let's go there. It's in Luke chapter 21, 34, 35 and 36. And take heed, Jesus says to yourselves. Now, let me just back, stop there for a moment. This is the King James, you know, written some 400 years ago. So, some of the terms there we don't use today. But what would be a modern way of saying, take heed? Watch out. Be on guard. Watch out. So, let's do that just for the sake of um, this illustration. Watch out, Jesus says. 
lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. So that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. How many? All them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch thee therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So what is this suffiting, this drunkenness and the cares of this life? Suffiting is too much food. That's what that word means. Drunkenness is too much wine. And cares of this life is too much work. Jesus said, in, in my words, watch out folks, unless you get too busy. Unless you stand up eating too much food, drinking too much wine, and doing too much work. There's probably a few of us who eat too much food. There's probably a few of us who drink too much wine. But there's a lot of us that are far too busy. Aren't we? It's kind of one of those things that you don't mean to be, but it just kind of happens. Too busy. If you're busy doing good things, that's good, but you can be too busy doing good things as well. We need to slow down and get ready for Jesus to come again. That's why I'm so pleased that you live in the country. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. We're going to help you in that this morning. In the uh, contemporary English version, it's up on the screen there, it says, test yourselves and find out if you are really true to your faith. Good counsel? If you pass the test... You will discover that Christ is living in you. But if Christ isn't living in you, you have failed. Pretty serious words. So how do we examine or test ourselves? You know, Matthew 7 and verse 16 says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. We shall know ourselves and we know others by their fruits, by what's happening. You've heard me say this before. <laughs> It is in a crisis. <laughs> What's the rest of it? That character is revealed. A crisis can be, mothers, when you walk into your children's bedroom. <laughs> can that be a crisis? Oh, yeah. A crisis is a mini crisis, not, not like the crisis of you know, the economy collapsing or whatever, but a mini crisis, one that can happen two or three times a day. You walk into your children's bedroom after you ask them to make sure it was tidy and you find that it is like like you didn't want to find it. <laughs> Can that be a crisis, mother? A crisis is any time when self is tempted to start bubbling up. When the natural you is about to start hollering, Come here! <laughs> a crisis can be any time the meal burns and you've got guests coming. You, you have your own crisis. I went through a bit of a crisis. It wasn't a real bad one, but it, 
it's never so bad when you look back on it. <laughs> but when you're in it, it seems like... Oh. <laughs> we had gone to do some meetings and we'd stayed in a hotel the night before the meetings, the family camp meeting actually. And as we were leaving that hotel and going to the camp meeting, Hannah said to me, Daddy, I left the camera charger in the hotel room. We're not going around checking up after them as much as we used to. We're trying to make them responsible. Of course, we're going to pay the price, and we did on this case, <laughs> the charger. So actually, we were going back to that hotel after the camp meeting, so we went to housekeeping, and they couldn't find it. And They actually had to go down into the basement of the hotel, and I have never seen so many cell phones, um, so chargers, camera chargers, batteries, loads of these things. I mean, we're talking boxes full. See if it's in there. Well, it wasn't in there. Anyway, without the charger, we couldn't take any more pictures, <clears throat> so that's fine. When we got home, we got on eBay, $34 for the charger, for the camera. The camera only cost, you know, $200, so I thought, well, we'll just get a generic charger, $10. So we got a generic charger, came, we put the batteries in, charged it up, put the batteries in the camera, wouldn't work. Well, was it that charger? Well, Alison Waters has the exact same camera as us, so I thought I'd try her charger with my uh, batteries and put it in. Still didn't work. Must be the batteries. A friend of mine told me if those batteries have been discharged for a long time, and it had been about a month or more now, the batteries can go bad. Okay, well, back onto eBay, $15, a <laughs> couple of new batteries. It's not, it's not AAs or AAAs, it's a, you know, a special battery for that camera. So we get the new batteries, Charge them up in the new charger, put them in the old camera, didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I did. <laughs> it's in a crisis, friends. Now, is this a crisis? That my batteries don't work? I mean, I've got $10 into the charger, and I've got $15 into the batteries. So, is it really a crisis? No, but when you've been hoping that it would work, and it doesn't... So, anyway, we borrowed Alison's camera, tried her batteries in our camera, and our batteries in her camera, and all kinds of things. Deduced at the end of the day that it was our camera that was dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, somebody said. <clears throat> what so, you need to know about my husband is he's not going to be beaten by anything. He's about to show you what he did next. <laughs> That's what he did next. <laughs> well, I didn't do that next. First, I went back onto the web, and I thought, I've got to send the camera away somewhere. Well, they all say, we don't know how much it's going to cost to fix it. And I'm thinking, I'm not sending my camera to you if you don't know how much it's going to cost me. So, so I'm looking at the camera, and I'm thinking, oh, i got a screwdriver that size. <laughs> and I've always wondered what's in the camera. <laughs> so I take the back off, and this is what I find. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, help me. I could actually make it worse rather than better. <laughs> oh, yes. Actually, as I was taking the camera apart, it had this wheel, you know, where you turn to what kind of picture you want. It had this wheel on top, and I couldn't get the wheel off. I got my little screwdriver under there and wiggled it around, and it, and it popped off. Okay, well, I don't know how I'm going to get it back on, but it's off. <laughs> and so we got the camera apart, and I'm fiddling around with it, and I'm fiddling around in there, and all of a sudden, the lens pops out of the camera. And I think, I must have done something. I mean, it's not done that for, you know, two months now. So, okay, and I found this little tiny ribbon cable. I couldn't take a picture, it was so tiny. But this tiny cable that wasn't plugged into its socket correctly. And when I plugged it in, it worked. 
And when I pulled it out, it didn't work. I thought, great. So I plugged it back in, put the back on, tried to put the top back on. I had trouble with that wheel, terrible trouble with that wheel. I resorted to super glue in the end because it, it kept falling off. And so since it was Hannah that had left the charger in the hotel room in the first place, she was in her bedroom. I went in and I took a picture. She says, oh, daddy, you fixed it. I says, I did, except for that wheel, which actually kept falling off, which wasn't very good. So I thought, you know, at least I've fixed it. Children went to bed, we had worship, they went to bed, and I've got a little window of time after they've gone to bed before Carolyn and I go to bed, and I thought, no trouble, I'll try and fix that wheel now. So I take it all apart and super glue the wheel on and put too much super glue on there, and it all leaked through onto the thing, and now the wheel wouldn't go around at all. I mean, it wasn't falling off, but it wouldn't go anywhere. So I'm trying to prise it off, and the screwdriver slipped went right in the back of the camera and tore one of those little ribbon cables. A big tear. And this, I thought, now I've done it. I now, heard this great groan coming out of his office. <laughs> it is in a crisis that character is revealed. And I must admit, I was tempted at that point. But that was the only thing he said. Just the groan. That's all it was, I heard. It's what went on inside, and that's often what really counts. I was tempted to take the camera... And throw it in the trash, because now it was, you know, I know those cameras have come down, but they're still, you know, $190 or whatever. I didn't mind $10 for the charger, and I didn't mind $15 for the batteries, but, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do? Get online, see if you can find the part. Well, you understand that's not an audible voice, and that's just the kind of thing I would think. So I thought, well, that might just be me, but, hey, I've got nothing to lose, so I get back online. There it is, the Panasonic TZ3, the top section, which happened to have the wheel as well, so this was a good thing. And that ribbon cable, it was all connected. $23. Praise the Lord, free shipping. So, I wait for that to come. I put it all back together. Here's me putting it back together. And today, I could take a picture of you guys with that camera. Well, after 30 seconds, it says that you have to shut it off and shut it back on again. I don't know why it does that. But, but he's not going to try and find no, out. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. It's good enough. It's screwed together. And we should leave it that way. But you know what your crisis is. And in the remaining part of this message, we might take you through a few crises. Okay? We want you to be recognizing, both in your day and during this message, what yourself, what your real walk with the Lord is at this point. So, I hope you've got a pen and a piece of paper, or at least somebody in your family is taking notes, because we want you to, we want to ask you a question, and then we're going to practically answer that question. The question there is on the screen, are we living the eight laws of health? You probably thought that Dr. Neblet was going to do that last night, but he didn't. We're going to do it this morning. <laughs> so... Any of you heard of New Start? Okay, write that on your page, just like you see it on the screen there. Write it down the side. New Start, all the way down. What does the N stand for, children? Nutrition. nutrition. There we go, nutrition. We want you to mark yourselves, to grade. give your grade. That's right. We say mark in England, you say grade here. <laughs> okay. We want you to grade yourself out of 10. <clears throat> How are you doing on nutrition? If you have eaten in the last week, 
just the way that you know God wants you to eat. You've not eaten anything that you shouldn't eat. At home, you know that you're getting the very best nutrition. You give yourself 10 out of 10. If you do pretty well, but you kind of cut a few corners, maybe give yourself 8. You know, if you've got something that you're eating on a regular basis and you know the Lord's calling for you to give it up, maybe give yourself 3 or 4. 5 maybe if you're nice on yourself. Grade yourself. We're going to add all this up. We're going to go through the whole new start, and then we're going to add it up, and then we're going to have a question and answer time. Okay? Exercise. How are we doing on exercise? Oh, you can hear the giggles going around the congregation. (laughs) Exercise is one of those things that we know about, and we talk about. How many people think that exercise is good for you? 100%. How many people are doing it? Ouch. <laughs> Not very good in Oklahoma, are they? They were better in Montana. <laughs> About 25% of the congregation is exercising. So, grade yourself on exercise. If you haven't got out of breath since last year's freeze tag, give yourself a one. <laughs> okay? If you were running around, the, walking around, doing something this morning, like my dear wife, she was in the gazebo doing her thing. What? You're supposed to. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to show Sorry. you a picture. There you go. <laughs> this is us at home, outside on our deck. It was eight degrees. It's been minus eight sometimes. So you just get to work out a bit more vigorously. And for you ladies, how many... No, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, actually. Because I know probably 90% of you ladies struggle with exercise. And you struggle to find something that works. You know, we've been through all kinds of things. We bought that treadmill thing. I called it the dreadmill because I dreaded getting on there in the morning. And finally we got rid of it. It didn't work for us. If that works for you, praise the Lord. Find what works for you. And now I feel really good about this because... If you were up at 4.30 this morning, you would have found me and my laptop and my Bluetooth headphones. She's a high-tech wife. <laughs> somewhere out there. And I exercise to a DVD that I found that really works for me. may not work for you, but find what works for you. I am really excited about it. So now when you see me someplace in the, in the early hours of the morning, you'll know I'm not kind of gone crazy. I'm just working out my program. <laughs> I like that little rebounder. You can't see it on there, but that dark thing that I'm bouncing on is a, it's kind of like a mini trampoline. And you just bounce up and down. It's got a timer on there. tells you how many calories you're using. All kinds of great things. eBay again. <laughs> $80. But it gets me out there. I'm only there for 15, 20 minutes because I'm not a super early riser. Not like my wife. She'd, she'd been outside and had her exercise and done her hair before I even came round this morning. <laughs> And that's not unusual, but um, (laughs) at least I'm up early enough to be with the Lord. But I've got to have my exercise, otherwise my mind is not clear. Find an exercise program that works for you. When you get into your 50s or your 60s and the doctor says, it's looking bad inside, brother, you're going to wish that you'd spent that time exercising. Find something that works for you. Water. How are we doing with our water? Drinking it? Washing our clothes in it, washing our bodies in it, washing our bedding in it. How are we doing with water? If you're doing good with water, if you feel like you're clean, at least on the outside, give yourself a grade. Out of ten for each one, remember, and then we're going to add them up when we get all eight done. 
How about sunlight? If you live in Montana, you, when the sun shines, you get out there. Because this time of year, it's not quite so shiny. So when the sun shines and your children are doing school and it hasn't shone for a week, get them out in the sunshine. We seek to do that as much as possible. Temperance. There's all different aspects of temperance. How much you eat, how much you work, when you go to bed. <laughs> when you go to bed. <laughs> when you go to bed. <laughs> Helps when you get up. <laughs> Going to bed late repeatedly is not good for us. Studies show it. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy and wise. If you're outside getting that sunshine, then you're going to be getting fresh air too. And exercise. And exercise, yeah. All those, you can get a lot of these things all in one package. <laughs> Rest. Rest has lots of aspects also. Rest of soul. But it also, when you get to bed, when you get to bed, when you get to bed, you've got to get rest, brothers and sisters. That's part of what Jesus was telling us when he says, you're getting caught up with the cares of this life. But I can't get to bed on time. I've got so many things to do. We've got to reprioritize, friends. And last but not by no means least, trust in God. That trust in God is vital for us in our preparation now for what's coming ahead of us. Okay, folks, grading time. I meant it. We're going to do this. <laughs> okay, just great. You've graded yourself all the way through. And I want you now to... Um, Add it up. Okay, so who got 80? Do we have a perfect person? We have a few young people over there who probably don't understand what we're doing, but <laughs> or they don't know how to grade themselves properly. Who got between 70 and 79? Put your hand up if you did. Oh, we had one person who put their hand up at the last place we did this. Okay, who got between 60 and 69? Put your hand up. Is anybody playing, or are, we, are you that bad? There's, so There's some folks there. Okay, good. Between 60 and 69. When Carol and I did this, that's where we were. Okay, between but we 60 just and finished writing this message, which had left us a little intemperate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Who got between 50 and 59? Oh, quite a few. Folks, folks. That's good. You see how slow these numbers are coming up to yeah, the screen Yeah, they're coming up now. slower now because that's to simulate your blood flow. You see how that's just going so slow. Just not moving those toxins away. It's just kind of creeping around. How did you do? You can answer that for yourself. It's not a, not a question you need to answer to us. So for review, question one, are we living the eight laws of health? I think you have a better, clearer understanding of that now. You know, we need to be trusting in God right now, friends, when things are easy comparatively to how things will be ahead of us. That trust in God, we need to be building up our faith now. You can even trust God to find you a way to exercise that you're going to want to do day after day after day and enjoy it. He's answered my prayer. He can answer yours too. So the first question, are we living the eight laws of health? You have an answer now, don't you? It said examine yourself and see whether you're in the faith. But if you, if you haven't got a clear mind, you're not going to be able to examine yourself. That's why we did that one first. Okay, next one. Are we having an active, productive and enjoyable devotional life? 
Not are we managing to get out of bed and sit in front of the fire and almost fall asleep for half an hour whilst trying to read our Bible. That's not what we said. It said, are we having an active, productive, enjoyable devotional life? I can say recently that um, Carolyn and I... Uh, This wasn't in our notes, but I'm going to tell people anyway. Karen and I have recently been going through a book called The Love Dare. Some of you might recognize that. It's a a book for marriage. You're supposed to do something for each other each day. And we, it wasn't the only thing we were doing in our devotional time, but what a blessing it has been. We have gotten pretty excited about that, haven't we, my dear? We're still doing it. We're going around a second time. (laughs) You have to have an active you have to be doing something. Sometimes I see Caleb, and he's, he's like his daddy. He struggles to get out of bed in the morning. I see him, and he kind of gets out of bed, and he sits there, and he opens his lesson. And Did you pray, son? Oh, I forgot. And it's, okay, well, it's kind of important, you know. <laughs> and It's not like that all the time, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something that you're getting something out of, something where you can see the fruit. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 31-33 says, Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, as a child growing up, I knew that eventually, before Jesus came again, there was going to be a crisis we were going to have to go through. Between here and heaven, there was going to be a crisis. And, you know, you can grow up with that knowledge all of your life, and then you can get to the brink of this crisis, and suddenly it can be a fearful thing. Can't it, friends? I know there's many of you who have grown up with that same mindset that I had. We need to be seeking Jesus first. He needs to be number one in our day. There's only one way it's going to happen. We're going to have to go to bed at a decent hour so that he can be number one for tomorrow. And then we are prepared for what is ahead of us. I asked myself this question, or the Lord asked me this, and I'm going to ask it to you. If there were only a few months left in this world and you knew when it was going to end, or you knew your life was going to end... What would you be doing in your morning devotions? Would you be sleeping through? Would you be out of your bed early with the Lord? Absolutely. And as I thought about that, what is it, Lord? What do I need more than anything else in preparation for what is ahead? And we don't know how soon that that ahead is going to be. There were two things the Lord brought to my heart. I needed to increase my faith, my trust in Him. And I needed to add to my prayer life. Those are the two things. So that trust, this was a plaque my children brought me a few years ago. Now, friends, is the time to be increasing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't wait till the crisis hits. It is too late then to build your faith. So when the trials and things come your way on a daily basis, this is the Lord increasing your faith. The promises that are there for us, we need to start applying them in a tangible way today. Trusting that the Lord really means what he says because you know he really does. The aspect of prayer, we're told in the little book prayer, if there was ever a time when we should watch and pray in real earnest is when? 
It is now, friends. Don't put it off. Don't wait for a better time. It's now. Luke 21, 36 says, Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. So how do we make that practical? Well, for me, I have a prayer list. Not on my computer, but in a little notebook, I have a prayer list. On that prayer list has to be yourself. No, that's not selfish, but nobody else is going to put you right with God. It's you, your heart, yourself. So I have to pray for me and for all the areas of weakness that I want the Lord to strengthen me in. And then for my immediate family, the ministry, my extended family, and friends, many of you I pray pray for very regularly on my prayer list. When I come to a camp meeting and I meet with different families, you go on my list and I'm praying for you. So let's review the questions. Are we living the eight laws of health? You got yourself a score. Are we having an active, productive and enjoyable devotional life? Now we want to ask you another question. Are we honestly and earnestly dealing with known continuing sins or character defects? Friends, we need to know where we are with God. And we need to have an action plan. We need to have an action plan with Jesus as to how those things are going to go. Because when we see Jesus coming in the clouds again, or when we see things really starting to fall apart, when the crisis that we're preparing for starts to come, it's not going to be the time then to say, okay, now. It needs to be now, not then. Remember the ten virgins? They waited... Until they saw the bridegroom coming, and then it was too late. I don't want that to happen to me, to anybody in my family. I don't want it to happen to any of you. We need, at this point, to be surrendering everything. Laying it all down. Friends, now is the time. There's people in the world that are doing it. God's church needs to be doing it. Amen? Question number four, are we open to those closest to us pointing out our defects and blind spots? Ooch. But in light of this quote from a little book called Steps to Christ, page 34, even one wrong trait of character, one sinful desire persistently cherished will eventually neutralize all the power of the gospel. Every sinful indulgence strengthens the soul's aversion to God. When we sin, it doesn't only harm us in the moment and the other people, it actually, we hate God even more every time we sin. Let's not do that. Back in the winter time, we had a special Sabbath at home as a family, and Daddy asked all four of us to come, all three of us, to come with a pencil and a piece of paper. And he gave us an assignment. He said, I want you to put the name of each member of the family on the page. So Hannah would put Caleb, Daddy, Mommy, and so on. We were to write the names of the people on the page. And then he said, I want you to write down five things you really like about those people. Does that sound like fun? So of the children, we all wrote about each other five things we really appreciated about each other. And when we were all done, that didn't seem too difficult. When we were all done, he said, now turn over the page. And so we turn it over. He said, I want you to write those same names. Now I want you to write five things you dislike or don't appreciate about those people. What do you think that was like? You know, the children weren't quite sure what to do with that. <laughs> we had to encourage them, think about it. They couldn't come up with many, bless their hearts. Not initially, but then when they got in the swing of it, they really got going. 
Just five, just five, keep it at five. So, you know, this is really going along with the question that we are talking about. Are we ready? Do we, are we open to having those that are nearest and dearest to us pointing out some of the things that they see about us? So, being very practical, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you and share you some of what was said about me. I'm going to start off with the good first. <laughs> Makes me feel better. <laughs> so... Caleb put on his page that he really likes mommy's yummy food. Typical Isn't that boy. nice? <laughs> Typical boy, yes. <laughs> Hannah really appreciated, and she's probably the only one who's going to know this, she really appreciated that I get up so early. Why would she know? Because she's the next one up in our house. <laughs> in fact, I have to get up earlier, so I'm ahead of her. My hubby wrote that he really liked that I dressed with care, even when I'm at home, not just kind of any old how, even when nobody else is looking. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Made me feel good. You want to hear the bad? <laughs> well, Caleb put that he thought mommy should be getting outside more often. He didn't just mean my exercise in the morning. He meant other times. With him particularly. With him particularly. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> Paul wrote that I don't always speak kindly to my children. Girls, if you feel like you're the only one who doesn't speak kindly to your children all the time, now you know, it's on tape, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, we're striving just like you, it's no different whatsoever. And my daughter, who, who knows that naturally I am actually more introverted in nature, was encouraging me with, I need to be more social. So if I'm a cat mating and I'm not being very social, you can come tell me, okay? <laughs> oh, Hannah. So does that feel good to have your, your, you know, it's raw, it's up there. You know, friends, the reason that it was a huge blessing to our family was because we were all willing to do it. Moms and dads, you know, if you want your children to be enthusiastic and to make some changes, get in there with your children and do the same thing. You may get some pretty big insights into yourself from your children, even if they're little people down here. While thinking about the whole subject of the crisis ahead, and you know that we're talking about an immediate crisis, but we're kind of in it, aren't we, friends, right now? Things are not what they were two years ago. We also know there is a bigger crisis coming. And I was reading, as I was contemplating this whole subject, I was reading in the book Last Day Events, page 17, and it says this. Many will look away from present duties, present comfort and blessings, and be borrowing trouble in regard to the future crisis. This will be making a time of trouble beforehand, and we will receive no grace for any such anticipated troubles. So, if you're a mom sitting out there, you may well be thinking what I was thinking when about 18 months ago I began to realize that things were changing in the world. Lord, what about my children? How are my children going to go through what we've got to go through to reach the other side? That was a perplexing thought to me, and it took me some time to work through that whole thought. If you're sitting there perplexed today, we don't have time. It could be a whole other message on preparing our children, and we don't have time for that. But if you're sitting there with perplexities on that thought, please come and talk afterwards. I'd be happy to share. But this quote was a huge encouragement to me. Because I, as I look ahead, and I see some of what's coming our way, it's like, Lord, I don't know how we're going to go through that. I don't know how my children will go 
through that. I don't feel like I'm ready for that. Well, this quote tells you why not. We're not going to get grace to go through it because we don't need it right now. We need to be preparing right now. When the time comes, friends, we'll get the grace for what we need. So be encouraged. That quote was a huge encouragement to me. still sits on my sidebar on my computer and I read it very often. So let's review the questions. Are we living the eight laws of health? Are we having an active, productive, and enjoyable devotional life? Are we honestly and earnestly dealing with known, continuing sins or character defects? Are we open to those closest to us, pointing out our defects and our blind spots? My friends, God has said in his word, Be also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We need to be preparing for not just to get through today, but we need to be living in this world now like Jesus is coming again, because he is. We need to be serious about our preparation. Who would like to commit to being serious about their preparation for the crisis ahead and for the second coming of Jesus? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.